Welcome back to My Life Hate Sports. If you enjoy our conversations and opinions, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening. Follow us on Instagram at MyFHateSports underscore Chargers to participate in our stories and get updates on new episodes. Thanks for hopping into My Wife Hates Sports today. It's a big fantasy football day. Big fantasy football week. Different fantasy drafts going. Some are doing auction drafts. Some are doing snake drafts. Um, We'll talk about some strategies for both of those. Got some questions written in on my Instagram, so I'll cover some of those questions asked. Um, Different trade questions, draft strategy questions. I'll be talking about some strategies to win your leagues. Some different strategies between PPR points and half PPR, um, talk about making your draft boards, good and bad ways to do that, auction strategies, and then how you should feel about players just based off your gut feeling, aesthetic of your team, advanced stats, how to affirm your decisions with stats and other opinions. We'll talk about some fantasy sleepers, and then we'll talk about some waiver strategies. Uh, if you guys have any questions at any point, looking for advice for your fantasy drafts, feel free to put it in the chat or request to speak, and we can get you on up here. It's always annoying, and we were these annoying guys the other day when you're doing a fantasy draft, and someone just takes like the worst player in the first round, and you feel like the whole mock draft's thrown off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the meme draft. That was, that was fun. <laughs> okay. I'm going to pull up your team because you okay. had – your first pick was Jay Ajay. <laughs> yes, yeah, that was a good one, but in hindsight, I, there were definitely, I think, maybe some better ones. But Jay Ajay, just, I just thought that was like a good unexpected pick <laughs> yeah. first overall. Because it's not, like a, it's not like a retired guy, but it's never someone that you would – like a couple years ago you would draft him in like the mid round so like everyone knows who he is <laughs> but now seeing him <laughs> going off the board as your number one pick yeah um your quarterback was Eli classic retired player yeah I don't know how he's still even in the pool <laughs> they don't do a good job of taking players out of the pool I'm not sure why cause I'm just gonna run through your team you had Todd Gurley Des Bryant <laughs> Odell Beckham <laughs> It's funny to throw in one, like, regular player who's just, like, a walking meme himself. Um, and then you had Tim Tebow as your tight end, Devontae Freeman, and you threw in the Chargers defense as just a shot at me. So, good move there. Yeah, you gotta go over my backup QBs. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, your other good shot at me was taking Chase Daniel as your backup quarterback. <laughs> And uh, you got Dewey Haskins in there, um, Michael Thomas, and Philip Lindsay. Yeah. Solid. <laughs> Pretty good. But let's see. I, mean, you, I thought you did a really good job. Let's go over yours. Um, my first pick. My first pick was Marshawn Lynch. Still in the pool. Skittles man. Uh, my quarterback was RG three, who I think is going to be doing like Monday Night Football now, which should be kind of cool. Um, my other running back was Darren Sproles, recently retired, but for some reason they still have him on the Eagles roster as a bye week 14. 
Um, Darren Sproles, one of the all-time flex fantasy stars, catches out of the backfield, return yards, returning punts and kicks, all that. I got Julian Edelman, Larry Fitzgerald, Jason Witten, and then my terrible regular player that I threw in was Juju Smith-Schuster. And then <laughs> Juju was good because that's like a player that a lot of people are picking for fantasy, but I just I got no love for Juju. I, I'm over it. Yeah, that would be great. Um, and then I got the Lions defense gnawing off some kneecaps. And then my kicker, the greatest kicker of all time, Adam Vinatieri. And then uh, my bench is Henry Ruggs, Tua, Kyle Juszczyk, best fullback in the league, Cole Beasley, anti-vax himself, and Coriel Patterson, who's another uh, fringe flex player. Um, Ruggs, I got some Raiders fans in my life, and I'm always talking down Henry Ruggs to them. Uh and they get so annoyed because they think he's uh, their next lord and savior. Yeah. Now they're, but they're starting to kind of leave that and just go to Darren Waller. <laughs> yeah. I actually like Darren Waller, though. But what's funny oh, is yeah. when we were doing these meme teams is that, you know, obviously it pisses people off because they're trying to practice and we're just taking a screw around round. But then other people started to jump in on it and take, like, Philip Rivers as their QB1 and... <laughs> That's when it's funny is when other people that we don't know start hopping in and joining the fun. Yeah, it was, it just, it was funny because during that draft, I had the first pick overall, and then the second pick, the guy chose Josh Gordon. So <laughs> that is so good. Josh Gordon is a great pick for that. Okay, um, let's hop in. I got some questions put in off, off my Instagram story. Just any advice for my followers that wanted to pitch in. So here's a couple trade requests that either they're thinking about sending or got pitched to them. Who wins this trade? Terry McLaurin and Cooper Cup or Austin Eckler and Adam Thielen? Eckler and Thielen. I would take Eckler and Thielen because I I just think it's... Obviously it depends on what your team is and what you need. Yeah. But... Um, I'm expecting Eckler to have a monster season, and regardless of how Thielen does, there's generally those wide receivers that just come out swinging that uh, that people start to pick up. Um, so I would definitely take an, uh, a you know tier one uh, running back, and then a, a tier three wide receiver over like two tier two wide receivers. Yep, that's exactly it. Because you're getting a Eckler's like either end of the first round or early second round pick. Every every time I talk about like where I'm drafting players, I'm generally talking about like a ten team snake draft because that's pretty much the standard. Um, a lot of people are in twelve man teams, but yeah, with Eckler, especially if if you're in a PPR league, Cooper Cup's great for PPR, but Eckler is a monster for PPR as your RB one because Herbert like last year when Eckler came back from injury. Herbert was like overemphasizing the checkdowns to Eckler, and I'm sure he's gonna do that a lot this year. If Eckler can stay healthy, like he could be easily a top five running back. So you're getting, yeah, exactly what you said. You're getting an RB one or RB one point five, and then Thielen, who's wide receiver two on his team because they got Jefferson now, but maybe like Adam Thielen had his best years when Diggs was the wide receiver one in Minnesota. So now that Jefferson's Wide receiver one there, Thielen moves to like the second wide receiver. Maybe he could have more similar to what he's had in years past um, rather than getting all the attention on him. Um, yeah. I do like Terry McLaurin and Cooper oh, Cup, yeah, though. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. 
No, I, I, I like Terry McLaurin and Cooper Cup, but I'd definitely take the RB1 in that trade. Yeah. If you can get one of those guys, like, I, I, I guess I'm having a hard time understanding why Eckler is, like, kind of getting slept on so hard this year when every year he's just pot, like, gone off when he's given been given the opportunity, and this year it looks like he's going to have the opportunity all year. When, he, when he's healthy, especially. That, that was a concern with him last year. The thing with Eckler... Um, you know, I'm obviously way too deep dive Chargers, but this the Chargers offensive coordinator is Joe Lombardi, who is the quarterback coach and offensive, like, not the offensive coordinator, but basically offensive coordinator because Sean Payton ran the offense in New Orleans. But in New Orleans, Joe Lombardi is running that system now for the Chargers. And Austin Eckler has come out and said, like, you know what Joe Lombardi did with Alvin Kamara in New Orleans? That's basically my role now for the Chargers. So that's a really good sign for fantasy. The downfall for Eckler, and he's admitted this on on interviews and podcasts, is that he's not the goal line back. Like, other guys are going to be getting that short yardage opportunities um, at the goal line just because he's a smaller guy. Even though he's thick and really strong, he's just shorter. And they got some power power backs. So that's the concern for Eckler is that he's not going to get the goal line touches. Yeah. Um, Okay, the other trade that we got was... Travis Kelsey or Thielen, Chubb, and Gusecki? Thielen, Chubb, and Gusecki, I think, over Travis Kelsey in that situation. Um, I mean, it always depends what your team It always depends what your team needs, but um, if you can fill up that running back and that wide receiver spot uh, over, like, just a tight end, because, I mean, the thing is, only three people in the league are going to have good tight ends, like, yeah. week to, every week, and so... It's not really a huge disadvantage to have, you know, a, a hole at the, at the tight end spot. Or just be, like, slightly below average. Yeah. Yeah, so you're basically swapping your tight ends, Kelsey, for Jacecki, but then you add Adam Thielen and Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb yeah. is, at worst, your RB2 on your team, and Adam Thielen's, at worst, your flex. So. Yeah. And he's a good flex player. So I think that's pretty good. I would take the three. Yeah. I don't, I don't get the... The, I get the if, pro- if you're comparing it to like those three to like if you're looking at those three for Travis Kelsey and two waivers, I would take those three. Yeah, that's a good point. The thing with Kelsey, like he's being drafted in the middle of the first round based off his projected points, which is like 300 plus. Like, Okay, when I'm when I'm trying to trade with someone and I'm trying to get the advantage out of them, I'll I'll say the phrase points are points. Like Travis Kelsey's gonna put put up 300 points, so points are points. It's the same as like Austin Eckler's projected less than 300. So wouldn't you rather have Kelsey? That's what I say when I'm trying to get Eckler for Kelsey. But in reality, like you have to fill out your team. You have to play two running backs. So if you're playing two crappy running backs and you only got one good tight end, like, that's not so great. Because, like you said, you can fill that with some average tight ends. Yeah. So it's tricky. Okay, the last the last one I got is somehow ended up with Herbert, Keenan Allen, and Austin Eckler. Tell me it's going to be okay. <laughs> so, Matt, I pitched this strategy to you the other day just to see, like, kind of what you thought. But what if you played the strategy of lining up three players from the same offense. So this could be Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. You could do like 
Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. You could do Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. That one would be kind of hard to pull off Hill and Kelsey. Kelsey would have to fall to you and then get Hill second round. But what are your thoughts on that strategy of lining up three players from the same team on your offense that are good? Yeah. Um, I'm more in favor for... Okay, well, I think that stacking three players is a good way to get third or fourth place in your league. Um, because in order to win your fantasy league, you're gonna have you want to maximize every position, and and I and kind of you know doing that, it, I feel like it's a very safe route. I think it's a good strategy to stack a quarterback and a wide receiver. Um, you know, like a Justin Herbert and a uh, and a Keenan Allen stack would be a lot better. But in that situation, I'd avoid having Eckler because you want to maximize the points on your roster. And, you're, and it's pretty rare that you're going to be having a week where Herbert throws two touchdown pass, throw, you know, throws two touchdown passes to Keenan Allen, and then Austin Eckler, you know, um, rushes for two touchdowns as well in the same game. Um, I'd much rather kind of have my players on different teams and maybe stack a quarterback with a wide receiver. Yeah, the quarterback wide receiver stack is crucial because when that receiver scores a touchdown, you get double points. So, and you know, when you're like looking at like the trajectory over your day of like the point totals and like how you kind of jump your opponent, you always get a huge jump. And that's kind of what propels you to a win is when you get that, that massive leap in points. So when you get Herbert throwing a touchdown to Keenan Allen, that's just like a point total that's hard to overcome for your other team. Um, So I like that Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. Like that's a really, really good stack. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. What are your thoughts on on stacking um, like a running back wide receiver? In the past, I haven't been a fan of it. Also, the thing to consider with this is like, if you have Herbert, Keenan, and Eckler, you're basically punting on week seven. Their bye week, you're taking a loss. Um, yeah. You're just not going to be able to overcome three starters unless you have a crazy bench and the other guy drops a dud that week. Like you're probably just taking the L that week. But the advantage to that is though three of your best players don't have buys the whole rest of the season. So it's a give and take. Um, I've always steered away, though, from, from taking running backs and receivers on the same team just because the, the target share is just not in your favor. Like the, the odds that they both explode on the same week is pretty low. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I've, I've been trying to kind of figure out um, – with my drafting strategy for this year, if, uh, there's like a couple spots where I've been thinking about maybe doing like wide receiver running back combo, but I just think I don't know if it's a great way to maximize the points each week. It's a tough call. If it's the right guy, I'm fine with it, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to talk about some strategies of how I've won leagues in the past, and. Matt, you've been playing fantasy for a number of years now, and you, when you first started, I had, I had been playing fantasy for a few years before you, but when you first started, you came out of the gate swinging, and I was like, okay, dude, like, chill, like, just beginner's luck, remember I always throw that beginner's luck at you, but, like, every year, we're normally in, in the same couple leagues, and we're always normally at the top of our league. So I don't know what we do that's different. We are kind of just abnormally good at fantasy. Probably because we do literally 100 mock drafts before the actual draft. But <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, uh, one of the 
major keys to winning your league is to care more than the other people. <laughs> <laughs> Not care more, but um, like spend more time. Because I mean, I like to spend a lot of time doing it. So it's fun for me. Yeah. Um, kind of doing the research and so. Um, I mean, this isn't for fantasy football, but um, I know someone else that's really good at fantasy basketball now. And one thing that they're doing that they do is. Uh, they're just always when someone gets injured, they're going straight to the waivers and they're adding their backup yeah. um, throughout the year. So wait, like it's pretty rare to be able to win your league based off of the roster you draft and not and not put any waivers in. You know, um, so I think that waivers are a huge way to win throughout the season because there's always going to be those three, four, five golden, you know, top ten at their position waivers each year. Yeah. So, yeah, def. It is what exactly what you said. You just gotta care more than the other guys because if you're the first one to get that information that like, hey, Travis Etienne got hurt, go pick up James Robinson. Like, move James Robinson up your draft board because he's gonna get way more of the target share now. Like, whoever gets the information first and acts on it first is normally the guy that has success. <clears throat> Another thing I've found to win leagues is getting younger players with superstar potential when they're on the come up like low value superstars um because like okay for example i've won leagues having Devonte adams and dalvin cook before they were being drafted in the first round that's how you win a league like you got to find those guys in the second and third round who could have breakout like superstar potential but that are like younger players that are on the rise like a Najee harris is a good one like if he goes off He's a guy that can really win your league for you. Or um, like a Damian Harris, who they trade Sony Michelle. Now he's the featured back. Like he's not a rookie, but he's not like a established vet. The opposite of this would be like Kirk Cousins, Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper. Like you kind of know what these guys are and they're going where they're going to produce. You want to get guys that are going to way overperform. And it's hard to find. Like you kind of got to get lucky. Like. A lot of this is luck, like me getting Devontae Adams in like the fourth round a couple years ago, and then he goes off, or Dalvin Cook in the second or third round, and now he's a top two pick in like every league. Um, I've had the same thing with Tyreek Hill and Aaron Jones, where you know I got them at lower value, and then they go off. Matt, you got Pat Mahomes his first year starting off the waivers after week one. Yeah. Like, that is a perfect yeah. example of it. Yeah, exactly. Um as important as it is to kind of basically go off numbers or what you read, I think another thing that's important is to use the old eye test. <laughs> and uh, if you kind of, you know, see potential in someone that when you're watching, and that is also kind of a good way to go if, if you kind of know what you're uh, looking for. So let's just hop to that right now. You, like, I feel like you go off of a lot of gut feeling and aesthetic of your team like you want your team to look good you always have harrison butker as your kicker because he's the best kicker people don't care about that but like i always want to spend my number one pick on harrison butker (laughs) (laughs) it's the aesthetically pleasing team (laughs) yeah no i love i love like draft i i mean i love drafting like the best defense and the and the best kicker you know like um, what would that be? Eight, nine, tenth round, um, kind of early, just because. I mean, I, I, I use my kicker and the you know defense every single week, even though you can just do your defense based off matchup. 
but if you, I mean, I feel like I get a lot more use out of them than I do off of like my third and fourth waiver picks. Yeah. The guys like spots. the guys like towards the bottom half of your bench that you like never play unless there's a buy. Yeah. So you play them like one week, or if a guy gets hurt, but your kicker and defense are in your starting lineup every week. Yeah, exactly. Like the Steelers' defense for me last year and the year before, like that was a real weapon. Like they were getting like double digit low twenties like almost every week. Like that's huge. Yeah. Whereas like if you're playing off matchup, like okay, probably Jacksonville is gonna suck, but like that's never like a guarantee. Yeah. Um, so I think gut feeling is good to use if your gut feeling in the past has done well for you. Like, so just pay attention. Like, if your gut feeling always like <laughs> sucks, like stop going off your gut feeling and look more at stats. But yeah, I mean, last year I had a gut feeling on Joe Mixon, and that's kind of blew up in my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still trusting my gut. <laughs> Well, you got Joe Mixon on your draft board this year, don't you? No. <laughs> kidding. Yeah, I think he's going to have a good year. I mean, I'm hoping so. Um, their, their offensive line is still bad, but it's better than last year. And it's just like the uh, the workload that he gets. He's, he carries the ball uh, so much. He's going to have so such a huge workload. So I'm just praying that he's going to um, perform. So hopefully I can get him this year. That's like a second or third pick. That's like a saying in fantasy where, like, you can be bad at football but be good at fantasy. Where, like, Joe Mixon, not really that good in real life, but his target share and workload alone is going to provide, like, good fantasy outcomes. Um, so I'm, I'm cool with gut feeling. Gut feeling normally does well for me. Aesthetic is important to me, like... I mean, Matt, we're kind of petty with it. We're like, if we don't like a guy's picture, like, we don't want him on our team. <laughs> Even if he's good, we just, like, don't yeah, feel good about it. DeAndre Hopkins this year. I'm not liking how teeny he looks. He looks his picture. Too skinny or, like, he's too, like, zoomed no, out? Like, his, his picture, he he takes up, like, a quarter of the space that he's supposed to on the mm. ESPN app anyways. Okay, I want to know if anyone else in the chat cares about this as much as we do we care we care way way too much about like we'll like skyrocket guys up our draft board because he looks like a ba in his picture like Najee harris to me looks super cool to to an extent yeah within reason (laughs) within reason okay the the best picture this year calvin ridley Uh, oh yeah calvin ridley has a good picture a really good picture this year he just looks like someone that is just gonna kill you like in fan for fantasy purposes like he, he just looks so cool in his picture and like it's a perfect sized picture where like you just want that aesthetic on your roster <laughs> yeah so funny oh it's just funny how like uh, I, I, I don't know like like this year my strategy i want to draft a tight end early um just because i want to have like each one of my spots in my roster be like a decent player rather than having, you know, like a, a, a top-heavy team or something. Because um, a lot of, a lot of most years I would go pick the best player player available, and it generally goes like running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I'm left with a, a crappy running back and one of the worst tight ends generally. Or I can, you know, pick a guy like Mark Andrews early over a guy like Cooper Cup, you know, that, who's available just because I want to fill up that spot without a, a scrub, you know. Right. So what are you doing this year? 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. So this year, I'm going. Uh, I'm trying to go wide uh, running back, uh, and then trying to get a guy like um, like George Kittle or Darren Waller, uh, and then uh, and then a guy like Joe Mixon or something in like a ten man league. If I have like an early pick, then I could get a guy like McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook or Kamara, um, and then with my next pick, I'd go running back someone like Joe Mixon, and then with my next pick go with someone like uh, Kittle or Waller. Um, and because there's so many wide receivers this year that by the time um, it comes for my fourth and fifth pick, I have guys like Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, sometimes Mike Evans, all available, Amari um, Cooper. So in that situation, I'd have, um, you know, McCaffrey, Mixon, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, and uh, Darren Waller, all is uh, my starting five key positions. Um, and then your so sixth pick is Butker. Huh? And then your sixth pick is Butker. And then my sixth pick is Butker, exactly. And then <laughs> I got Buccaneers at defense. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, we probably should have signed. We probably should have signed some sort of like non-disclosure agreement before we started because our draft is in an hour and a half from now. So we kind of we can't give away all our tricks to each other, but in our league, I don't know if anyone else is in a league like this. We've just kind of decided this is the best way to do it. We pick our draft spots in our league. So I'm the commissioner of one of our leagues, and everyone texts me like their top two or three preferred spots, and then I make it work so everyone gets like one of their top two or three positions that they want. I think that's way better because random like. It's just not as fun because then you can't like kind of decide your team based on your mock draft. So like I'm going with the 7th pick this year because I like that I can get two RB 1.5 tier running backs with my first two picks and then I can get a couple wide receivers and then a tight end. So that's kind of my strategy this year and that's why I went 7, but like other years I've wanted like a top 3 pick because I really like three running backs. But this year there's so many running backs like the top Probably like the top seven running backs. You could tell me any one of them is going to finish number one, and I'd believe you. And you can tell me any one of them are going to finish dead last, and I'd probably believe you too. Because there's just so much volatility with the running backs this year. There's not like a. McCaffrey's the number one running back if he stays healthy, but like he's been really banged up recently. Like he screwed me last year when I got him. But McCaffrey's the only guy where it's like he's an RB1 and a wide receiver one. Other than that, the other guys, it's it's pretty up in the air. Would you agree with that? Like, the top, like, seven or eight running backs, like, any one of them could do well and any one of them could bust? Oh, yeah. Yeah, any of them can, uh, like, they're, they're ranked to the top, you know, whatever they're ranked because they're expected to get volume and they're good at their position. So, um, I think as long as they're not, you know, towards the second half of their career, then uh, they can, any of them can break out and be number one. I'd be surprised to see a guy like Aaron Jones or Nick Chubb kind of, you know, be, be number one. That would surprise me, but those top five, six, seven guys, they could all see being number one. Yeah, tough call. So we like to pick our draft spots for that reason, but I want to talk about strategy between PPR leagues and half-point PPR. So, Matt, our draft in an hour and a half from now is, is full-point PPR, and then we got an auction draft that's going to be half-point. So this is kind of where making your draft board is tricky because you have to change it based off the scoring of the league. Like even when we were doing those trades, I was like, okay, is this a PPR league or half point? Like you kind of got to specify 
because the value of players changes. So, for example, if you're looking at wide receiver twos and Cooper Cup and Mike Evans are on the board, Cooper Cup's a guy that's going to get like 120 targets and probably like 100 plus receptions. And Mike Evans last year, I think, finished with 70 receptions. So Cooper Cup has like a 30-point lead on the season total over Mike Evans. On the flip side, Mike Evans had like 13 touchdowns last year, and Cooper Cup had far less. So touchdowns, to me, are more volatile. Like, they kind of come and go. Guys can get hot and get a lot of touchdowns. Like, Devontae Adams had like 18 touchdowns last year. I'd be surprised if he gets within three touchdowns of that last, like, if he gets like 15 or more. I'd be surprised. But Devontae also gets like 115 catches, so that's why he's the wide receiver one. But those guys, when you keep going down, like Alvin Kamara versus Derrick Henry, if it's a PPR league, I'm probably taking Kamara. If it's half point, I'm probably taking Derrick Henry because Henry's going to get more yards and more touchdowns, which are more valuable than catches. Yeah, so I think that volume is, uh, like, I, w- I would always take volume over skill for when it comes to fantasy. <laughs> That's so opposite of real life that you would take I know. volume over skill. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, like, that's the thing about those those Buccaneer receivers this year is that um, they're all awesome. You know, there's like yeah, Antonio Brown, Mike Gavins, Chris Godwin, but Gronk. like how much are they going to produce week to week? Yeah. That is tough. Um so yeah pay attention like don't be a fantasy stooge know the the scoring specifics of your league i've seen a rise in popularity of um like 0.75 ppr points kind of as a happy medium maybe that's the future of fantasy but i don't know i feel like we've enjoyed ppr the scoring you know more points it's kind of more fun in our in our yahoo league it's half point it's just lower points and guys don't do as well so you don't feel as good about it would you agree with that um i mean i've i I haven't done a ton of half pbr leagues it's mainly pbr because that's what it defaults to um uh although i do see like the appeal to like a half pbr league because it kind of does balance out the scoring when it comes to you know, receivers, or when it comes to running backs like McCaffrey versus a guy like Derrick Henry, um, it, it kind of does make it more of a uh, skill-based kind of thing uh, to me anyways. Uh, just Because if you have a guy that, you know, catches the ball, you know, eight times and he gets two yards for each, uh, for each catch, you know, he ends up with over ten points or something, whereas a running back that rushes two yards uh, ten times, you know, it's going to have two points. Yeah. Yep, you're just tacking on a lot of uh, extra points. So, I prefer PPR, but it's hard. Yeah, to, it's no, hard. I think I think it is fun to kind of get more points, and, and PPR is all that I've kind of done, but I do see the uh, appeal to both. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about um, strategy from different draft positions. If you guys are doing drafts or if you've already done drafts, why don't you send your um, your draft position in the group chat, and we can talk about strategy like from the standpoint of that pick. Um, so me and Matt kind of talked about ours already. Matt, you decide. I don't think you'll mind me telling the chat here that you decided to take the number one pick this year. So do you do mock drafts at every position before you decide? How how did you settle on 
taking the number one pick? Honestly, like in other years, I haven't um, really focused so much on, on strategy where drafting. It's just kind of been like pick the best player available. It doesn't matter where you draft. But this year, uh, you know, be, that we would have everyone choose their top three spots and then we would be able to kind of organize the draft to that. Um, when I was, I was doing a bunch of mock drafts and I just noticed that there was always a lot of really good wide receivers available at the beginning of the fourth and fifth rounds. And so I was like, just thinking, you know, I'm not going to get a, a good running back if I have, uh, I'm not going to be able to like stack my running backs if I have anything later than like the third pick or the fourth pick because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is kind of like the last running back that that you know could have a, a big season. Um, so generally, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to the person that's uh, got the second, third overall pick in the third round, and then after that, it's just wide receivers. Um, so I was just thinking that it, you know, with the way that the, everything was with having the first pick in a, in a ten-man league. It'd be a good strategy to go running back, running back, and then get the wide receivers later. So, uh, plus McCaffrey's just an animal, you know. He could give you 50 points more on the season than, than number two. Yeah. So, I think that having McCaffrey is a, is a pretty big advantage this year if he can stay healthy. Yeah, I figured, so the way I settled on seven, and this is in a 10-man league, the way I settled on seven is I, I did a couple mocks at, at each draft position. And I really wanted two running... I, I wanted two elite running backs. Like, that is just... Like, based off the rankings this year, that's the way that I settled. Like, could give me the best overall team is if I had two running backs. All before Najee Harris is like... Or Antonio Gibson's like my cutoff. Like, I don't want any running backs after Antonio Gibson as my RB2. So I, I, I want like... Some combination of Eckler, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, Jonathan Taylor, and then maybe if like Saquon or Zeke falls to me at seven, maybe. And I felt like seven was the best spot that guaranteed me to get either like a guy that falls from the top five, Eckler or Aaron Jones, and then on my second round pick coming back, I get Chubb, Najee Harris, or Antonio Gibson. I felt like seven was the best spot that guaranteed me to get two of those guys. So that's why I settled on seven because eight, obviously you get the higher second round pick, but you don't get the higher first round pick. So it's a give and take. I also considered my third round pick. I have my eyes on a specific receiver for my third round and picking at eight, you get a lower third round pick picking at seven in the first round. You get a higher third round pick one, one spot higher. So that gave me extra confidence that I'd be able to get that guy in the third round. So take all those things into consideration when you're picking your draft spot. I felt like the worst draft positions this year were four to six. For what you said, Matt, like you're not going to get a good RB2 in that spot and you're not, and you're not getting McCaffrey. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. It's just funny though, because this is this is kind of what I've come up with with mock drafts, and I feel like every year I can mock draft all day, and then when the real draft comes around, I get something unlike any other mock draft that yeah. I've done, and I just I have to just uh, abandon my strategy. 
and uh, just start picking the best player available. <laughs> you got to stay we'll true. See. Hopefully this year it all works out. Yeah. So that that's a good segue to basing your draft board off your drafting platform. Like if you listen to fantasy podcasts a lot of the time, they'll say, don't look at the rankings on whatever like draft platform, whether it's Yahoo or ESPN, like don't even look at their rankings. Don't draft off their rankings. Make your board specific to how you want it and stay true to that. I think that's the worst thing you can do. Because then guys get picked, like, it's it's just the nature of humans when we're drafting and it says, Mike Evans on ESPN is ranked, like, eight spots higher than Cooper Cup. So, human nature, you're going to have a really hard time picking Cooper Cup over Mike Evans. Because when you're on the clock, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about the other guys in your league who are drafting ahead of you. And they see Mike Evans ranked at this spot and Cooper Cup ranked all the way down there. They're going to take Mike Evans because they feel like they're going against the grain by reaching down the draft board to take someone lower because they're already being told that they're wrong. So they have to fight against it. Whereas if you're, if you're making your draft board based off your platform, that allows you to move guys around in positions where they're likely going to get taken anyways. So... Yeah. And it's interesting. I think um, a good way to also to kind of like get past that, if you use multiple platforms for for uh, fantasy or for these mock drafts, um, they'll all have different rankings, even if the scoring's the same. Uh, for example, on ESPN, Amari Cooper is ranked really high, and on Yahoo, he's ranked really low. And then um, Cooper Cup is ranked a decent amount below Robert Woods on the Rams this year on ESPN and then on Yahoo they have him flipped and Robert Woods is ranked really low and I think that uh, it helps to kind of get past that human nature if you use multiple platforms when you do these uh, your mock drafts when you prepare if you look at multiple sources yeah yeah and I would say I guess my point is like if I'm doing an ESPN draft I'm I'm compiling my draft board based off their rankings because that's the order which all the stooges in our draft leagues are going to draft like they're not going to reach down for guys whereas if i and then i go do a do a yahoo draft i'm i have a different draft board now because the rankings are all different so i I value guys differently because i know where they're going to go because guys aren't just going to put that much effort into it normally make your own personal draft board based off the rankings in the league that you're drafting in um, but you can use other sources like Yahoo, I guess, to your point, Matt, where it's like Cooper Cup is now above Robert Woods in this other league. Now you know that Cooper Cup's going to go a lot sooner. So if you want Cooper Cup, you got to take him earlier than you know you would in ESPN. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have like a good um, like your own personal. Like if you open up a spreadsheet, make your uh, first five round, you know draft order um then you won't be swayed by the by the numbers uh on your on your law on your draft lobbies yeah so this year for my espn draft the one we're doing today i it's pretty cool when you log in on the computer or on your laptop or whatever you can click something that says like edit draft strategy and then it brings you to this ranking thing and you can move guys around so I have 50 players on my draft board, and I guarantee you I'm, I'm taking only players that are out of this 50-player pool in my whole draft. Because I've done mock drafts enough to where 
I know where guys are normally falling. So I have the seventh pick, so I just delete all the first guys. McCaffrey's not on my board. Cook, Kamara, uh, Zeke, like they're not even on my draft board. My draft board starts in like the Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler range. And then I delete all the players that I know are going to go between the next pick. So I delete Devontae Adams, I delete Travis Kelsey, I delete Tyreek Hill. And then I, so like my third and fourth players are Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, yada yada. I feel pretty confident that I'm going to stick straight to this ranking where if this guy's on the board and he's higher on my ranking, like that's just where I'm taking him. But I base it off of doing the mock drafts and finding each of my draft positions and like a variance of like three to four players who are going to be available at that draft position is who's on my draft board in that range. Um, Just deleting all the fluff between because there's just, when you just go off the rankings, like if you just pull up a spreadsheet and you have every player eligible to be drafted, it's just too much. So I've cut it all the way down to 50 players and uh, Matt, I'll send you my uh, draft board after we do the draft, and we'll see how uh, closely I stuck to it. All right. How you uh, like that? I'm looking you, or you can send it to me before. <laughs> 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 we are. And I'll just, I'll just send it to the group chat for our fantasy league. Yeah, here's the players that Lyric wants. He normally wins the league, so you guys should just take his players. Yeah. Um, I did want to talk, we got, you know, about 10 minutes left here. I want to talk about auction strategy because auction's tough and a lot of people like don't know even like where to start with it. So our, our auction league, we get $200, which is the pretty standard budget. It's a 12 man uh, team or 12 man league. Here's my strategy for auctioning is to divide up a certain amount of money for each position group and try to stick as close to that as possible. And then within your position group, just make tiers of where you want players and like their general value to you. But don't put every player on there. Well, in auction, you can actually put every player on the board because every player is eligible for you to get. So in in years past, my strategy has been allocating $100 out of the 200 to three running backs. I'm spending $100 on running backs. And I might go a little over if like I'm reaching for a guy that I really want. So last year I had Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler, and I paid 66 for Cook, 48 for Eckler, and then I got Gibson, Antonio Gibson, which was a late round steal, and I got him for just a couple bucks. So I spent like a little over 100 on running backs. Wide receivers, I allocated $80 to wide receivers, and I got uh, like four or five receivers out of that $80. So if you really... Like, Devontae Adams, I paid $60, $60 for. So then $20, you know, I was able to sketch out three or four more guys. Tied in, I allocated $20. QB, I put aside 10 Defense and kicker, $2 each. And that's just a good way to give you a base of, like, your range of how much you're spending on each position. So then as I'm going through the auction, I'm crossing off players that have already been picked. And when I spend money, I just subtract whatever I spent from that budget for that position group. That seemed to be the best way for me. Um, Let me know if you guys have other auction strategies. Matt, do you have any sort of genius strategy for doing auction drafts or just kind of go by the seat of your pants? I'm just going to have a list of my guys that I want to get. I'm just going to pay whatever it takes to get them. Um, (laughs) Hopefully it works out. (laughs) But I think it's important. Like you want to have a list of guys that you know for sure you want to get and you just want to basically pay 
whatever you need to for them unless it gets and then of course have your you know a certain threshold that you're that you use but um I just I think that like overpaying you know three four dollars for for someone that you think is gonna have a big year is isn't the end of the world um but yeah I also think you want to have that that budget kind of as well for each position but uh if you I think it's a a good I I kind of want to have a more aggressive approach this year um compared to what I had last year so your strategy you're going hard off gut feeling like I got a gut feeling this guy's gonna do well I'm gonna overpay for him well, like, I don't want to say I'm going to overpay for him, but I'm just going to kind of have it picked out who I want to get. And, uh, you know, I have like a one, two, three at each position, and I want to get, I have to get one of those three guys um, yeah. at each one. And, and then, you know, obviously I make a cap on what I'd spend. But, um, yeah, I think that having a more aggressive approach, it's, it's kind of like if you have an aggressive approach, it's more like having an early pick in a snake draft versus um, a later pick. Uh, because if, I think that having like a, a being very like budget uh, oriented is kind of like having like a seven eight pick in a ten man league where you're gonna get two at the end of the tier one running backs versus uh, you know picking first and then waiting twenty picks for your next pick um, you know so yeah I, I'm kind of all in on this early pick uh, uh, strat this year yeah a uh, good comment that just got put in the BK boy he says don't spend unnecessary money on positions that are deep um, that's I think a really good strategy like wide yeah. receivers just abnormally deep this year wide receivers always pretty deep but especially this year so don't maybe spend a ton of money on your wide receiver too because you can get better value for like three four guys for that same price um, I think what you're going for matt you're going for a stars and scrubs um strategy to your auction draft yeah i think i'm gonna i think that that's kind of my thing because i'm, I'm just banking on kind of doing i mean normally i feel like I, I do a lot more conservative uh picks and things and this year i'm trying a different strategy where i go more aggressive um going for stars and then relying on on waivers throughout the season to kind of build a stack team so, uh, but one mistake last year, and this is kind of something that I saw in the chat as well, is to have a, a good QB one last year. I spent all my money, and I re- and I just thought I'd you know I worry about quarterback later, and that was what ruined me last year. Is I did not have a good quarterback in this auction league. So you do want to set aside a few dollars for your quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and the aesthetic of your team. Back to that, you need a good QB. Or else you had yeah. you had Joe Burrow in the auction league, if I'm not mistaken, and then he got hurt, and then who'd you replace him with? Um, I replaced him with Matt Stafford, mm. who I was hoping would be would you know, I mean it was halfway through the year, but uh, but yeah, he did not perform when I had him. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, here's a here's a thought for auction drafts. If you were doing a snake draft and you were drafting in the first round. Would you trade to get another first round pick and give up your fourth and fifth, or like fourth and sixth pick to get another first round pick? Would you do that? Ooh, that is a good question. I don't know. Because um, I hundred percent would. Yeah. I, I would hundred percent get a, a second guy that like a bona fide running back that I know is going to produce and have volume. You know, short of injury, I would definitely give up like my fourth, my fourth and sixth pick to get another first round pick. And you have that freedom to do that freely in auction drafts. Yeah, no, that's a good point. This year, this year, there's just there's a lot of good players. There's like 
I feel like there's a lot of good players this year. I feel like this year there's, I think that there's a certain cutoff, um, maybe around number 50 overall. If you like, you, I feel like I just want to get as many guys in that top 50 as possible uh, this year. But to your point, yeah, I mean, I guess it does make more sense to to give up a fourth and a sixth for a first because that sixth pick is going to be outside that top 50 anyways. Yeah. So that, that sixth pick could be someone that you just put in for the waivers anyways. What if I just spend like 65 bucks to 70 on McCaffrey, spend another 60 on Dalvin Cook, and then like 50 on uh, Austin Eckler, and then fill the rest of my roster with $1 players? Yeah, uh, the, the only issue is that um, if you're left with $1 per per spot there's just never a guarantee that you're gonna get even you know a crappy player that you want to get because last year i was stuck with one dollar um per position when i needed a quarterback and the quarterbacks just kept going and going and going for two dollars and i just didn't have an extra dollar to spend on them yeah but uh but yeah no i i I think that um kind of going hard for for to fill up your positions with awesome players and then um kind of just crossing your fingers with the one dollar players is, is a good strength then throughout the year kind of finding those those golden waivers that's another uh trick to auction drafts is you're only going to get one dollar players if it's your player that you're nominating for one dollar and no one else has any more money that's basically the only way that you're going to get a player for one dollar so that's a good point you brought up it's like they're going to go for two dollars because you're going to nominate them and someone else is going to spend one more dollar and then you're screwed So, overall with fantasy, I think I go off gut feeling, I go off aesthetic, and then I confirm my gut feelings with stats and, like, expert rankings. So, like, if I feel good about this player over this player, I'll just look up, like, the fantasy pros, like, who should I draft? This player or this player? And it's like, 90% this guy. And it's like, all right, I was right. Yeah, no, totally. Matt, one thing you got changed in our Yahoo League, our auction league, was a key problem in our rules where the last place guy each week got full access to all the waivers. So we thought of the strategy to tank the first two weeks to be last and get all the good waivers. Cause normally you get the home run waivers in the first couple weeks where it's like, Oh, this guy's the go-to receiver. This guy's their starting running back. He's going to get a ton of volume. You get that guy. Would it have been a good strategy to tank the first two weeks to get all the good waivers? Um, Keep in mind our, lead commissioner changed that shortly after we discovered that uh hack well did, did you know that i actually did never reach out to him he did that all on his own really but, um yeah i never reached out to him he just did that and then he said the but squeaky wheel year, gets the grease last year i was last year i was telling him all year this makes no sense to have the l- low ranks have access to 10 waivers in a row if they want before the next person you know because if you're if you have the second worst uh, roster in your league, you know, you need some help. And if the person that's just at one spot below you can get all the waivers uh, the first, you know, few weeks, then uh, it sucks. It sucks for you. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I think that tanking uh, for fantasy is, is honestly never a good strategy. Um, I think it would be in that situation, but now it's not. It could be, yeah. Yeah. It just it takes some discipline to. <laughs> like just put in your crappy players over your starters. <laughs> I've never seen anyone actually actually tank. 
for like a strategic purpose. I've only seen guys like pull their roster like when they're out of the playoffs or whatever, and they just bench everyone. That's always annoying. Or they release guys. That's the worst. But tanking early for that would just be so bold. Yeah, definitely. Matt, to close out, do you want to throw out any uh, any sleeper guys that you're targeting late round picks, or are you too scared I'm going to take them? Oh, of course not. I'm not going to do that an hour before our draft. Well, I wanted you to plug your ears for a second so I can rattle off four or five guys that I'm targeting late that I think are excellent, excellent sleepers. I have, I have one guy. I have one guy specifically that I really want to get later, um, and so I'm not going to say him. <laughs> but, uh, let's do yours. Okay. Well, we're picking in such a different draft position, so I don't mind telling you my plan early. But late, like once you get like once you're in your bench, it's just a free for all. You just go for the guys that you want. And it doesn't really matter how far down you reach if you believe in them, because you're probably going to drop half the guys anyways. Um, Matt, I'll let you hop out of the room, and then, <laughs> and then I'll say my, my sleepers. I'm saying, I don't know. I don't know if it's a good idea. I mean, I, I'm not going to promise I'm not going to do some research after I hear who, who you're talking about. Is this, is this a safe space? Are we doing a non-disclosure agreement that you can't <laughs> steal my sleepers? Well, I won't tell anyone, but I'm not saying I'm not going to steal them. You know, here, I'll, I'll hop out and I'll let you say it, and I swear I won't look. Alright, okay, thanks for All being right. on. Alright, see ya. Alright, I'm going to give him a minute to hop out. Alright, he's not in the audience. Alright, my sleepers, here we go. Had to make sure they stay safe. Um, Second-year wide receivers that were decent last year always do better in their in their uh, second year. They were rookies last year. So that's Brandon Ayuk, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb. Those guys are all going to be great. I would rank it C.D., then Ayuk, based off quarterback, then Jerry Judy. I think Jerry Judy is actually a better wide receiver than Brandon Ayuk, but I trust San Francisco's quarterback slightly more. Moving down... TJ Hawkinson is a great, great value tight end. Third-year tight ends is when they blow up. So second-year receivers, third-year tight end is when they have the big jump. TJ Hawkinson is the guy. He was a he's an early draft pick, like the eighth overall pick a few years ago. Had a good season last year. He's going to take a massive chunk of the target share now that Marvin Jones and uh, the wide receiver that just went to the Giants, I'm blanking on his name right now, a good receiver, was on the lines, went to the Giants. Now... TJ Hawkinson is going to take a massive chunk of that target share. The other guy in Detroit who's going to get good chunks of targets, their two other guys are Tyrell Williams and the running back who was formerly on the Packers, Jamal Williams. Those are the two guys who are going to be getting targets from Jared Goff. Say what you will about Jared Goff. He supported many players in fan- for fantasy purposes all his years on the Rams. Um, rookie receivers are a little dangerous. I like Jalen Waddle because he's also the returner. So if he gets a punt return or kick return, that counts as a touchdown, I believe, for that player and their special teams. And he's an excellent returner. Double check on your league rules whether the returner gets a touchdown for the player and the special teams or just the special teams. But either way, Jalen Waddle, he has familiarity with Tua, so I don't feel like this is a true rookie receiver who's trying to gain uh, chemistry with his quarterback. I'd go Jalen Waddle late round. Other guy, Marquez Callaway. He's probably going to be the number one receiver for the Saints if Michael Thomas keeps being Michael Thomas and not on the field. 
Marquez Callaway exposed himself a little bit in preseason with the two bombs from Jameis. Famous Jameis gave uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin massive fantasy production his year in Tampa when he went for 30 for 30 touchdowns and interceptions. But interceptions don't matter for receivers, so Marquez Callaway probably going to have a monster, monster year. Um, Antonio Brown, if he keeps falling, and Michael Thomas, if they're both falling and falling, I would pick them up to trade them. They just need to have one good week, and they have immediate trade value. Or you can keep them. Uh, talked about Jamal Williams. Sony Michelle traded from the Patriots. This is a two-for-one. That Sony Michelle trade was huge for Sony Michelle, who becomes probably the feature back for the Rams. As a pass catcher, if you're in PPR, especially Sony Michelle, the other guy that now his stock has risen exponentially is Damian Harris, who's going to get goal line work. He's going to be their RB1, lot of yards. He was shut down for most of last year because they just didn't want to put miles on him is my prediction. Um, A.J. Dillon's a running back who will be excellent, especially if the starter, Aaron Jones, gets hurt. Same goes for Kareem Hunt, who is available like mid to late round. Robert Tanyan and Mike Gusecki are two good fringe starter. If you can't get one of the top guys, they're good backup tight ends. Tanyan had, I think, an anomaly year last year, scoring a ton of touchdowns as a goal line threat because Devontae takes up so much of the attention. He could be good. Gusecki as well. Um, Gronk, so many targets in Tampa, but he had a pretty good fantasy year for a backup tight end last year. Like, great, great backup tight end. Russell Gage is one of my top fantasy sleepers at receiver killed me a couple times in the last couple years because he would have monster monster games where he'd have like two or three touchdowns and just win the the week for the other guy i'm targeting him this year because julio's gone kyle pitts is a rookie calvin ridley is an incredible receiver who's now going to get all the attention from the defense and probably be double covered a lot that's going to open up a lot of opportunity for russell gage i would definitely definitely target russell gage late Alrighty, that's it. Thanks uh, for all the comments. This has been a good chat. Thanks for Matt being on to uh, talk some strategy with me and expose some of his secrets. Um, good luck in your guys' draft, and I look forward to doing more fantasy in the future. Um, hopping on the waiver wires each week, giving you guys some good tips. So appreciate all you guys being on. Thanks again for listening to My Fit Sports. Please subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on Instagram at mylifehitsports underscore chargers.